Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to the Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. So, uh, got Mark Edward Davis on the phone or on the on the video call, and um, we met. What? It's been like was back in Vegas a few years ago, um, yep. speaking at a convention there. And uh, recently reconnected and uh, had a great chat the other day. It was, went over a ton of stuff and learned a lot about your business, which yeah. is a dream connection. And sure. um, very cool business that you, that you run in Ukraine, helping guys uh, meet women, get married. I'll, I'll let you get into all your amazing stats about how many people you've had married. Then the, the crazier stat, which is the fewer, the low number of divorces. Yeah. Um, and you also have the Authentic Man podcast. Correct. And, um, uh, that original call we had, you kind of blew me away with some of those topics you were discussing in terms of why relationships work so much better, uh, mm-hmm. with kind of the old school values of, of Eastern Europe versus what's going on in the U S right now. And it's obvious yeah. there's a big problem there in terms of, uh, <laughs> divorces and relationships totally failing. So I'm super uh, stoked to have you on the, on the podcast, man. Thanks for being here. No, it's fantastic. I'm really grateful and uh, appreciate your your uh, invitation here uh, in the midst of my getting back from Ukraine, all the travels I've been doing. But, you know, the thing I, I got to tell you is um, this sort of took me by surprise. I married uh, my wife 12 years ago in Ukraine after uh, my my kind of quest. I was actually started on a fishing trip 15 years ago in, in Brazil. I was a single guy at 40 and, uh, you know, I was banging my head against the wall with the dating scene locally a little bit and a single dad, you know, normal thing. And, and a buddy of mine and I were just like trying to figure out what is this, how does this dating scene works? So we, we decided to do the study on it. So we kind of had our, our, uh, three days a week, we get together with cigars. We we're reading some books on masculinity, Iron John, you know, wild at heart, these kind of things. And then he, he made this challenge. He goes, just go on 15 dates. Don't try to do second dates. Let's just figure these women out. Let's figure out what this is about. And so we're out there in the middle of doing this, and I get invited to go on a fishing trip uh, on the Amazon River by the company I was representing. I had a distributorship for this big company, and so I couldn't say no, but it scared the crap out of me. So anyway, after the fishing trip, which is actually just really an amazing story by itself, uh, we're there, and the guy says, would you like to meet some local ladies? And Oh, I'm in Brazil. They have Brazilian women here. Oh, my God, right? And I'll never forget that. It just uh, spending a day with this this one delightful young lady who just treated me so well, was so you know feminine and just attentive and and just curious and wanted to you know care for me and proud of her country, wanted to show me everything and and you know come back to the dating scene. I go, what was that? You know, what what was that? And and so since I was in the middle of this whole process of exploring myself and dating and the whole thing, I said, is there something for me overseas? I never thought of it. So I went back several times and finally met my wife in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, the story got there. You can read my book. Uh, by the way, I do have a book on Amazon.com. Just type in international dating and you can get the whole story and what we've been doing lately with the orphans there and all the stuff we do and all my stories and all the rest of it that goes into it. But um, there, there's some things that uh, as, as I got into really when I got back home and I found this amazing woman, this amazing relationship that was, you know, feminine, soft, and just attentive and a brilliant woman. I mean, honestly, at the time I met her, she was working in a factory with 10 women working under her running a ship. And, you know, she was definitely a, you know, a strong woman. So it wasn't that 
to a strong woman. It was just this package that was very attractive to me, and, and we, we just blended very well. So, Wait, but um, how'd, you, how'd you get from Brazil? Brazil was kind of your first taste of yeah. non-Western Americanized women, and then how'd you end up in Ukraine? Well, the path from Brazil went on that fishing trip. I met a couple of other guys, these really cool group of black guys who were um, uh, you know, doctor and a couple of politicians out of the city. I won't name the city because I might give away who they are. But uh, these guys were on the trip and they say, hey, why don't you come with us You know, back? We're going to go to Rio on a second trip. And, and so I, I ended up going back and I fell in love with somebody on that trip that I wanted to marry. And she wasn't willing to leave um, the country because she owned a grocery store and she had family. And, you know, um, and, and I just realized that what I was looking for could be over there. And so I got on this quest to say, all right, you know, I want to find somebody. I want to wake up every day to a person like this. And so I went to Costa Rica. I dated Colombian. I dated other, you know, ladies there. I had one, in, in God bless this, this girl in Costa Rica. Adorable. She really, she fell for me, but I was just like, you know, she just wasn't <laughs> quite sophisticated enough, you know, and mm-hmm. she was adorable. I mean, it'd be an adorable relationship, but it's just not the marriage partner I was looking for in that package. And, and she just cried when I left. I felt bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, honey. You know, yeah, you're adorable, but it's not the one. Yeah. So I ended up figuring, all right, how do I do this? And this is where I first started looking at these online websites. But because all of my experience had been about face-to-face meetings, I didn't do any website stuff. You know, I wasn't sucked in like a lot of guys are on these websites where they, they just sit behind their computers. and they, It's like web chat porn. They're just sitting here typing and writing and yeah. video chat. So thinking it's a, of dating and it's not dating, you know, and it's not real and you can't tell anything from somebody. And I, I believe in the, you know, more, if you get into like the Dr. Uh, Joe Dispenza or Bruce Lipton stuff, you realize there isn't, there's an energy between people you can only get from being in their presence. And, um, and so I was, I, I wanted to go, but I didn't know where to go. And so I found these websites that dealt with international ladies. So I just look at all of them. I started looking at Asia, I looked at Latin America, I looked at Eastern Europe, and I started making notes of the ones that seemed to jump out to me. So I kind of made a science out of studying myself. What, you know, okay, if we open the world, what am I really, what attracts me, what am I into? Mm-hmm. And so I kept coming back to Ukraine. I didn't even know where Ukraine was on the map, but, but <laughs> the Ukrainian profiles, the ones that kept jumping out to me. So um, I found about this company that did introduction trips where you can go there and meet a bunch of them. And I said, look, that's all I want. I just want to meet, get me in a room. I want to meet a bunch of them. And um, their format sucks. I mean, it's, it's really almost a playboy format. It bounces from city to city. It's not really for a serious guy. But, you know, I didn't know. It was my first time out. I just wanted to try something. And in just in the second city, I ended up meeting, um, you know, the woman who's now my wife. And she was uh, about ready to walk out the door. and. And, um, and I actually, the sad story is I had written some girl, all these letters and come to find out the girl, you know, the real girl never heard of me. I get to meet the real girl, but she was, she wasn't the one writing to me. It was evidently some translator at some office. And so, you know, I understand scams I've, I've seen them myself, yeah. but, um, so I, I met, you know, I met the, like, after getting devastated by meeting this woman, I thought I was going to marry this Christina. And realizing the girl never heard of me. And, and I said, well, then I'll meet somebody else here. And so I walked up to this table and I just introduced myself. And this girl says, hi, I'm Anna. This one says, hi, I'm Anna. You're both Anna. That's great. You know, it's going to make it easy. I've had a long day, you know. <laughs> and so it was, it was just kind of cute. So I took them both out. And um, um, I'm to mute that. I didn't mute my phone. Apologize. No worries. Um, and so I ended up taking them both out. And, and, and uh, we just had a good time. And so I set up dates with both of them the next day. And the one with the one who is, you know, now my wife went like three hours long and we were just done. I mean, it was like everything I'd been looking for, the chemistry, you know, she was giving me shit. She was brilliant, had some great insights and, 
into our culture. And um, so I started this path. And then after meeting her, realizing, you know, I've got something better than I think anybody else, certainly that I knew of, had in terms of, you know, young, beautiful, intelligent, feminine, all this kind of stuff. And I, I felt like I found, you know, the the secret treasure prize. Yeah. And and I came back and, and just got hit with a backlash of guys going, oh, she just wants your money. She just wants to leave her country. And I'm going, you guys have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. There's such a stigma for that, which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, that's why I wrote the book and I got on Dr. Phil and Today Show and we did all these couple of cable shows and all these radio interviews to try to just go, look, they're real people past those stories you hear. And most of them are good. In fact, even the U.S. immigration statistics prior to my finding my wife was um, there's only about a 20% divorce rate among U.S. men who marry somebody from another country. So, you know, there's something to it. And uh, so we started a uh, company called, we, it was originally called European Dream Connections. And now it's just Dream Connections. And we, we created those kind of match events just for a guy looking for a, a life partner who's serious. And we were introducing people face-to-face. And so since then, 10 years later, you know, we've, we've helped create over 300 marriages with less than 2% divorce. And we, we learned some reasons why it's so successful. It's a, it's a different model and it works. It's so crazy, the 2% divorce compared to the, what is it, 50-something percent? <laughs> In, in the uh, you know, and, and the sad part is even among the 50% that are together, most of them aren't happy. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just, the contrast is ludicrous. I, I've been, I want to do a Ted talk on this as well and get out what we've learned a little bit and write a book and probably going to write the book on how to have a 98% chance of marriage success, you know, and just like, <laughs> you know, it's different. Yeah. I mean, the, you shared on our last call, you shared one of the, the reasons I, I, I think you may have shared this, the second one, but I forgot. Mm-hmm. But um, if you can go into those three things again, that'd be awesome because those were totally mind-blowing. I will. So, yeah. The, the summary is this, guys, is like, first of all, I want you to understand why domestic Western relationships fail. And part of it is there's a great part of the beginning that everybody's great. At the beginning, everybody comes into just as people. They're not in their head. They're just really feeling the warmth. They become very comfortable with each other they have what we call a honeymoon phase. And like Dr. Bruce Lipton says, because there's a way you can stay in a honeymoon the rest of your life, but we screw it up. What happens is, and uh, Dr. Annie Lala talks about this, about between month uh, six and 10, there comes some major hiccup, whether there's a conflict of some kind. And which would be okay if, you, you know, you do the things I'm about to tell you, but most in the West don't. What they do is they go through the standard Western relationship resolution strategy and it's it's endorsed by the the counseling environment the american psychiatrist association you have to create this this environment where it becomes almost like a business negotiation where there's mm-hmm. equality among the people in there you know you right. with this person would you can you express you know to her what your frustration <laughs> is and, and then, okay, so you know, bad, you, you know it doesn't work it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, you repeat it back to him yeah. so he knows you he heard you you know and you know and what was your frustration can you express to him and then you know what would you need you know john could you do you think you could do this for her and mary do you, do you think you could do this for him and then you guys would be like oh wonderful let's all shake hands you know right and, and then all of a sudden you go from this wonderful thing of love and emotions and elation and joy and happiness to business contract relationships. 
And the problem is nobody keeps it up. You can't, whatever your deal was, you're going to, you're, you're going to forget. You're going to screw it up. You're going to be human at some point. And also the other side is going to, ha, see, 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 I don't have to do mine. You didn't do yours. It, right. It's it's dead. I mean, you, you crush the entire dynamic of romantic love about emotions. The things people get into a relationship for is, is intimacy, both right. sexual and emotional. And it's ridiculous. Like going on a first date, you know, the shitty first date is usually like a job interview. So yeah. it's, right. it sounds like the same thing is kind of happening. And, you know, when you hit that after a honeymoon phase, you, they try to solve it by going into another job interview and that's not going to work. Right. Right. It, it is. It, it's totally ridiculous. So, so the big question is, okay, then what's different? What is different about them? Then these three things are, I'll tell you, and obviously there's a longer version of this um, talk. And um, if you want to give it to the guys later, um, I've got a little bit broader expanded version of this at uh, dreamconnections.com slash relationships. And it's where I first did this first talk. And it's the foundational piece of what I'm going to share with you right now in sort of a nutshell. Um, the essence is there's three parts to it. First of all, and I got this, my, my son just got his doctorate in um, psychology and family counseling. And he sent me this article that supported what I've been saying for years. He says, you know, when you have people from different cultures, you know, you have a guy from South Africa, marries somebody from Australia, you know, there's no playbook on how the two are supposed to be together. You know, I don't know. You know, it's like if you, if you marry or date somebody in your city across town, there's kind of this assumption, this is how we do things, you know, relationship relates. But when you break the mold and there is no social or cultural pretext to rely on, guess what? You talk to each other and you have a conversation. What do you want to do? You know, what's your culture? I want to know. And there's at the the peak place where you're absolutely enmeshed with this woman and you're fascinated with her. You just got to know everything about her. And I I want to learn. I want to learn how you think. I want to learn how you feel. And she feels the same way. And, and, and also guys never get a relationship where, where um, the other person doesn't match your efforts. She's got to be as nuts about you as you are about her. And there's got to be a place where you both just feel comfortable with each other. Like you've known each other for life, but I'll get into how do you know when you're in love at another time. Mm-hmm. But if you're in that place where you're both nuts for each other and you're curious, you wanted to learn, you want to hear what their culture is, what their background is, what it always comes back to is the two of you are in love and you're at a place where you're nuts for each other. You're deeply in love and, and it's unlike anything you felt. And so you, you want to preserve it. And, and what they, people always do is they give it their own. They don't want to call it marriage because a lot of people don't have a good image of marriage, but they want to call it something. And so they have their own little, little pet nicknames for what they are together and how they are and how, what she does for him, what he does for her. And so they have this whole description of what our relationship is like. It's special in the world. You know, who else is, you know, somebody from Canada married somebody from Columbia. You know, it's like we have our thing, you know, and it's, and it's ours. And so the benefit is you, you do that at what I call peak state. You know, when you're at that peak state in the relationship where you're just buzzing and it's all emotions, it's all this flow of energy together. And that's all that matters. Words don't matter. You feel it. You feel each other. And I've had the case, like, this just happened literally the other day because um, I just came back. You know, I've been apart overseas across the world in Ukraine. And and I woke up in the morning and, and um, I had I just had a really bad dream where I was trying to find my love and, and I was lost and I was in these dark alleys. And I was I was like, I tried to mug me. And, I, and then I find get back to this house. and I'm searching through the house. And it was it was and maybe it's just because we were apart. You know, I was emotionally expressing that somehow this feeling. And it was funny because I, because by the time I, I got on, on Skype with her, she goes, what's wrong? I've been thinking about you. I've been waiting for you to write me. I had this horrible dream that you were looking at. It was dark. It was not a pleasant dream. Wow. 
I'm going, holy shit, are you fucking kidding me? But we do this all the time. There's a spiritual connection between people. And, you know, so I'm telling you, this is after years in our relationship. We we have this. We still have it, and it gets better. But it's like if if, if you're in that place where you're both like that, you're connected, I guess you'd say spiritually in some ways, right? You're connected like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then right at that time, if you can capture like a snippet in time, you know, and, and, and describe it and say, this is who we're about. The benefit is, is it creates a marker that you've identified clearly. You know what it looks like. It feels like both of you together of this is who we are. So then when you're off from that, you know where, and you know how to get back to, you know what it feels like you've identified it. And, and, and we don't do that in normal domestic relationships. We don't. We, it's not necessary, uh-huh. you know, but because when you're mixing cross cultures, it becomes very necessary to have these conversations. The benefit is you end up um, taking the honeymoon phase and you capture it as a, as a moment in time and, and you relive it. Like you always want to back. Second thing in there, it takes coaching. It's not natural, but what I'm going to suggest to, to anybody who's listening is that also Keep in mind that when you create that marker, when you identify what it feels like to be in love, when you identify what we're like that's unique to the world, what we love about each other, then keep in mind any conflict you have, the purpose for the conflict is to eliminate any blockades or barriers or thoughts or emotions or offenses that that have momentarily broken that connection turned off the valve of love feelings. The goal of any conflict or any argument is to get back to those peak state feelings and people lose track of this. They think the point of an argument is to win, to be right. (laughs) Sure. It's not, it's to, it's to eliminate the garbage to get back to those wonderful emotions. So guys, you're the leader. So always lead in that any relationship you're in. If there's a point of conflict, the point is, if it's a relationship you value, then your point of your conflict is to immediately work with whatever the issue is. So we can get right back to the way we emotionally feel, the way we love, the way we are tender with each other as quickly as possible. Because this is what everybody wants. This is why people have affairs. Like if they start losing that emotion, they want to feel it again with somebody. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, well, then why not take the one you have that you know you have been in peak states and, and, and keep, continue to make the effort to break down barriers, break down conflicts, break down anything so you can always live every day in the state of honeymoon. So when, um, you're, in that, when you're in that you know, magical state, that peak state, mm-hmm. um, is there anything, you know, and you're trying to, I forgot the words you used, but capture that, mm-hmm. that thing between you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there... What do you have to do to do that? You have to write it down. You have to talk about it. Is there any physical act or is it just knowing what it feels like? You know, it's interesting that you say that. I do a, I do a coaching. When people come on my tours, um, the, the, literally the day that we, you know, they, we do this prep ahead of time. They do these Skype calls. They get to meet their romance coach. They have a translator as their partner for the week. The very next day when they're about to meet all the ladies at this dinner event we create, one of the last things I say in my coaching before they go is, I want to teach you how to capture a memory. And I do this exercise with them. I said, you know, when you're in a place where you're feeling good, you're with a woman and this is magical. I said, just take a moment, freeze time, stop the world, and just make a conscious effort to absorb everything in that moment. The, the colors, what she's wearing, the light, the warmth in the room, the smells you have there, everything about you, the music, the sounds, just stop time and capture that. 
Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, if you will do this intentionally, you you will you can come back to it 15 years later, and it's as if you walked right into it and you're live in it. All the feelings, the emotions, the senses, the smells are there. So just the act of being intentional while you're in a good emotional place to remember it and value it and treasure it, you can permanently lock in your head the image and feeling of what it's like to be there. Yeah. So I can think of a bunch of them that I've had with, you know, different girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it sounds like, you know, I guess, uh, you know, and I, I deal with probably 60, 65% of my clients are, are more, um, what I call the altruistic personalities, um, analyticals, amiables, you know, architects, engineers, these kind of things. So they're always looking for the formula, you know, sure. and this is, <laughs> this is not, a, this is not a formula. It's, it's, well, it is in a way because you're programming something back here to lock and remember. And the way you teach it to remember is by giving emotional value of importance and specifics. So if you want to be analytical about it, you're programming yourself to capture this moment so you can always come back to it. But really, I mean, you can write it down if you wish. That's another way to lock it down. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just think by emotionally being in the moment in the, in, and identifying what it looks like in, that, in, in the sense like I do with a memory to capture everything around you, you're kind of doing it with the framework of what makes your relationship great. You don't have to write it down. You'll feel it forever. And are you asking your partner to do that as well? Together, you're something. having a conversation. Well, okay. I, I'm not as analytical to say, will you take a moment right now and just right. you, know, <laughs> you don't You don't have to. Listen, right. women are intrinsically emotional anyway, and, sure. and, and they bask in it. And in fact, if you want to always lock in a relationship with a woman so she'll never leave, it's two things. She wants to feel deep emotional connection, and she wants to feel like you're her safe place in the world. Mm-hmm. If she feels like you're her safe place in the world and she has deep emotional connection, you're, you got her for life. That's all she's looking for. And guys screw this up and they forget about it. And if there's a conflict with a woman, you can come back to those two things. If there's something we did to make so you feel disconnected with me, I just want to feel connected with you. I don't know what you're going through. You know, and so you can win every time with women if you realize that. So women are already looking for deep emotional connection. So you, if as a man, wake up and say, I want to, I want to just value who we are together. You know, she's like, Oh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's like, right there. It's in her. You yeah. know, you don't have to teach them to do this. Right. Okay. Very cool. That, um, because I, I could totally relate to the feeling. I've had it many times. Um, yeah. and then you, you obviously know when it's not there. <laughs> That's the most obvious. Um, and so once you feel like you're, once, you know, that, that honeymoon phase starts to, to end, um, or starts to go away, what, what next? Well, Again, when you start having your first conflict, you feel something going away, you got to immediately acknowledge it. And you just go, you know, honey, I got to tell you something. You know, I, I look back at when we got together and all the emotions we've had, the times we've had. I love that. I want that. I value it. I know you do, too. What did we do? How do, how do we get to this place? And let's, let's just fix it because I just want to have good feelings with you. I just want to enjoy life with you without conflict. And, and we, I mean, we'll have fights once in a while. I get that. But, I, you know. Let's try to get back as quick as we can. What is it? How can I help you? Where do you feel disconnected from me? Where do you feel I'm not safe? What have I done? You know, how can I, how can I help us get back there and be the leader, the man? You're not going to get an argument from the woman asking her those questions. Right. Those are the things she wants anyway, you know. But now being the one to lead and guide in that, now she can relax a little bit and rest into it. Um, and, and this where, you know, hopefully there's some things you can and can't teach women. Um, either it's in them or it isn't. How they process their own their own uh, anger and emotions and issues. And every, uh, every woman has them. Uh, my wife is one where she'll, um, she'll, she'll be silent for a few hours. So she doesn't give me the vomit. You know I mean? There's the first emotional outburst that just comes and she goes, I don't, you don't deserve that. Let me 
cool down. Let me walk <laughs> it off and we'll come back to you. Yeah. <clears throat> Other women want to drag the man into their emotional um, world, you know, yep. and, and so they're, they're trying to, they're trying everything to drag them in and pull them in and, and, and even blame them or things like this. And the more you can stay above it and listen, say, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, this is, there's something that's been troubling you and, and, and they just come back to the goal. Listen, I just want to enjoy our relationship together. You mean a lot to me. So how can we do this? How can I help you? But be the calm one in the storm. Um, be the, yeah, the grounded the, one. And, uh, all right. You ready the, for number two? Yeah. But one, one more question. Yeah. Um, so why is it so much easier to do this when you have two, two separate cultures, as you mentioned, versus a domestic? Because uh, we're lazy. We're lazy. Yeah. We're just lazy. You know, mm-hmm. honestly, most guys, um, they're not intentional about, they don't, like with my guys, you know, I go through this process in my book, it's my second chapter. I make somebody sit down and think about what are you really looking for? In fact, last night I did my webinar uh, to my audience and that was about getting clarity. And I did it both on life goals and then on your woman. And I, and I said, what, what is it like, you know, in, in terms of how it feels to be with her? And I'm saying, I imagine a day in the life when you've been together for five years, you know, and it's this relationship you've always wanted. What is that like? You know, because in our case, you go overseas and the first thing the guys are, you know, they're surrounded by so many beautiful women because of a different culture and they care about their beauty. They're very soft and feminine. Very few are overweight, you know, and they're attentive and they're, they're just, they don't play on their phones. They're just focused on you. And these guys are like, uh, it's a pretty girl, you know, and so they just kind of, you know, it, it's fun. We, so we help them with that, by the way, you know, that's why we give them a romance coach. And so they get accustomed to being around. But, um, but if guys do this extra visualization exercise of what it's like to be with this woman, most of the time they'll go right to the, the, the part where they're just meeting and, 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 oh my God, she's so beautiful. And it's about her boobs and stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want you past, past that where you've been in deep relationship where you value each other. Yes, she's beautiful, but you're, you're accustomed to that. Beauty is part of your life. I want you to imagine a day in your life with this woman and what does she add to you? What value does she add to you? What is it like to live together? What's your humor like? How do you interact? And if you visualize that, you know, you're going to attract that person to you. It helps you understand what you're looking for. Um, and the problem is that uh, I, I help guys go through this exercise, which should be done by every guy. But yeah. nobody stops to think about it. You know, you talk about goal setting. Okay, but whoever stops to do goal setting? People don't stop long enough to think about what do I actually want and where am I going to find it? Mm-hmm. And what do I have to be to attract that kind of a person? You know, and this is the, this is the process. So the, so the thing is, when you're just dating somebody locally, first of all, you're not thinking about really what it looks like. Yeah, I'll, I'll know when I feel it, you know. And then guys are just waiting for the, the dumb stuff to happen. I'm going to bump into the grocery store. So that's right. what happened. And a meter so at the park grocery bench. store, I know, but you, know, <laughs> yeah. you find out these girls have, you know, the, all this damage and, you know, it's been time at some point you put so much time and you feel stuck. You feel kind of obligated to stay with them because you've invested as much time. And so you're, you're kind of compromising with, that's not really what I want, but I mean, I don't want to start all over again. And, and then once you're in the relationship with somebody, nobody goes and, and stops and says, let's really think about what makes us great. They don't, nobody stops, nobody stops. Right. And so, so that's why it's just, we just live every day. We show up, here she is. She's next to me. I'm going to go to work today and I'll come home. Hey, how's it going? And we don't, we don't break these things down. And, and the part of the multinational, multinational relationship is you have to. You have to have the conversation. If any guy dating a girl next door would have these tips, it would work for them. 
It's just in these multinational ones, you're forced to. You don't have a choice. You've got to think about it. I don't know your culture. I don't, right. you know, I don't know what's normal for you. Let's work it out. So yeah. this is why I think these tips are good, not just for multi. We've learned the secret from multinational cultures, but the secrets are good for any relationship. And I hope yeah. you guys will, will do it. No, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that's the, one of the most interesting and fun parts of dating for me in Ukraine is just getting to know the different parts of their culture. And, you know, I had a, a little kind of tiff with a girl I was dating a few months ago. And um, I was like, see, you seem upset about something. What are you upset about? And she told me what she was upset about. And I'm like, that's so funny because I, what I was doing is exactly how an American girl would want me to be. And it's the opposite here. And yeah. like, oh. <laughs> so you get to learn all these cool little things. And, um, well, that, that is something I'd love to ask you about, because I think the guys need to hear that. I think there's a part of it. Maybe it's a separate conversation. We have another talk and I'll be on time and not traveling, but um, <laughs> it'd be great to have a conversation with you about what do we learn about ourselves and masculinity from these women, because they oh, yeah. have an expectation they want us to rise into to become this kind of man. And it's really healthy. It's a healthy manualness. It's a healthy masculinity. So much more and, healthy than what the uh, <laughs> the American sort of uh, yeah. idea of, of a man they want you to become is. That's for sure. It's uh, night yeah. and day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Beijing, I don't know if you know him. He does um, men's coaching as well and some courses on confidence. And Brian did the same yeah, thing. Yeah. He, lived, he lived in Kiev for six months and then, then uh, in um, um, – it's not Belarus. It was in, uh, Bucharest. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we had the same conversation. He goes, dude, we ought to teach these guys a little bit about what we've learned about being men from spending time with these women. Because what they do to elevate us and, and the package of being a man is, you know, it, it, it's changing. Men need, need to understand what they can be. Um, no. and, and this culture is, you know, our culture is... Um, it's effed. It's just totally so fucked. <laughs> it is. Okay. I, totally. I don't know your guidelines on your show, but man, our culture is fucked. It is so fucked. It's, it's beyond no, fucked. I come back here and my mailbox is bombarded. Well, I get it while I'm overseas too, but I'm, I'm always hit with all these articles and stuff that's going on here. And I'm just going like, God, I don't want to come home. I just, oh, just stay there. I dread ever coming back to the U.S. Like I have to come back in September for, for a wedding and a, a family mm-hmm. reunion, but I really, <laughs> no, let, me give you, let me give you hope. It's okay. Because the truth is you get inoculated to it. You kind of realize that you're a man of your own. You're from your own world and yeah. you see it around you. And the nice part is your lady, when you bring her back, everybody's wondering, was well, she going to become Americanized? They're not. If they grow yeah. up in that culture, they see the world that way and they don't. Um, you know, the ones that, that do are the ones who are children brought over here as children or teenagers. And they, whatever you're brought up in as a young person is, is the culture you adapt. But, um, you know, my wife came over here and saw Walmart fatties the same way I did. And she was shocked <laughs> by the, the dirt, the sloppiness, the rudeness, the way couples are to each other. And, and just it, until to this day, it, it's offensive. Yeah. You know, and, and so we come back and, and um, I'm not going to criticize or judge anybody. I just, I just feel like I want to live to a different standard that's more respectful to myself and to other people around me. Yeah, that's, I mean, that just to touch on it real fast. That's the biggest thing I notice when I come back to the U S I'm like, it's just trashy. Like, yeah, it, it's just, Low trashy. Level. yeah. It's like, you don't ever really get that feeling in, uh, in Ukraine, even though it's, oh, most of the cities are, are dumps, right. <laughs> From like Soviet style architecture and, 
and uh you know but the, the people aren't trashy so no. uh but going to uh number two number two is is the crux of what i think really um is the cultural piece i guess i'd say of it that is unique like for instance number one i could say i could teach somebody in america you know to to um have a conversation and really identify their honeymoon state and, and lock into it and come back to it and understand the purpose of conflict is to always go back to honeymoon state. The second one is purely culture. And, <clears throat> and I've been teaching this for a long time to my guys before I realized how much a part of the relationship sex, sex, I should have another talk on sex, dude. Seriously. No, but the relationship success <laughs> formula is built on this paradigm shift that the women have about relationships overseas is different from ours. And honestly, it's, it's more rooted in, 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 in history than, than ours is. And the second formula, part of the formula is their belief. Like for instance, in the West, we, we believe we're looking for a life partner, you know, and, and again, this whole concept comes back to this thing about this partnership thing. It drives the shit out of me. So what they're looking for is they literally use this term. They're looking for their half. Right. And, um, it comes from the Greek mythology that originally uh, humans were these these powerful creatures that had four arms and four legs and two heads. And Zeus saw the, the threat of their power and split them in half and separated them to the ends of the universe. And so the idea is that the, those two halves are spending the rest of their life looking to be united together to become one again. And so that's sort of the romantic picture of somebody who's like, looking. I'm looking for my other half. Now, what's the difference? Who cares? What does it mean? You know, I can say I'm looking for my soulmate, that, but it's not. Let me tell you the paradigm shift it is that's so strong. And I first learned this from the very first international couple I met. Um, her name is Kira. Uh, Kira, Mike, Mike Moore, Mike and Kira Moore. They're out of Roseville, California. They're real people. Love them dearly. They're probably married almost 20 years now. Two kids. But when he met her, she was a doctor in, in St. Petersburg, Russia. Brought her over. And she did all of her board exams and, and she became a doctor with Kaiser Permanente. And she was, at the time I met her, I only knew Mike. Mike was a guy who was really a humble guy, worked for, made 34000 a year working for the, uh, the, the, uh, the county up there, I forget the name of the county up there you know, above Roseville. And he was the, the county property assessor. So he'd go around and see what, you know, for taxes, a little low level job, but he was mm -hmm. smart enough. He once in a while, he'd see these houses like were a deal. And he worked with somebody to get his first house. By the time he met her, he had 27 houses, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, and he no longer worked for the County anymore, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, he spent his time fixing pipes and stuff like this. He's still a very simple guy, lovely man. And so we would have a cigar and a beer together. And he's telling me his story, how he met his wife and his wife came out and she was serving us and prepared meal for us. I'm so gracious and take care of their little one year old. And, and I'm, I'm just seeing the dynamics of this going on going, my God, this is amazing. And she's beautiful. And she's already been in the U S for nine years. She's still in, in, you know, and she said, yeah, she's been five pounds of her weight when she got here nine years earlier. And I'm just watching the way she's attentive and letting us be the man talking. And then when I learned what she did, she probably makes five times what he does as a doctor with Kaiser Permanente. You know? Yeah, right. They do okay. <laughs> they do okay. And so then, uh, then I'm listening to her at dinner, and, and she's explaining this thing. And, and mind you, this is a woman who's already been in the U.S. for nine years. And she's saying to me, you know, it breaks my heart every day. I go to work, and I hear these, these nurses that work for me constantly complaining about their men and really competing with them. 
you know, and, and I said, and, and she says, why would you do that? How would you embarrass your own husband in front of other people in public? And here's the thing she says, she goes, how, why would you do that to yourself? That's, uh, there's, I mean, it happens so much. There's so much emasculation that goes on in almost right. every Western relationship. You know, it's just, it, that's just their main thing. And it's like, you're, you're embarrassing yourself. Like <laughs> you really are. And it's crazy right. that they don't see that. It was so obvious. Right. Yeah. But, but see, that's the benefit of this international mindset. And, and, and a guy in leadership can, can, you know, take a state earlier in the relationship and describe this and say, this is the kind of relationship I want to have. But it's about, and this, the same thing in, in, in Thailand and Colombia, they're, they're very about the social circle, the family, who they are. They, they don't just represent themselves. They represent everybody. So in other words, a woman in Ukraine, I'm telling you right now, I, this is the honest to God truth. You want to know the number one reason why a woman will not leave her house, even to go to the grocery store in Ukraine without being dressed up? It's a fear. The fear is somehow her, if she went out sloppy or in, in sport clothes or didn't have her hair together, she looked like shit. She went to the store. Somebody who knows her mama would find out and say, I saw your daughter today to the store and she looks so bad. <laughs> it's true. Would horrify them. I mean, seriously, yeah. horrify them. So they never, because then it would make their mama look bad and embarrass their mom in public. And if they're married or with a guy, they wouldn't want to embarrass their man by ever looking bad in public. You know, and so they feel like they are a representation of these people in their social circle, especially when they get to an intimate relationship with their man. I mean, they represent him. Yeah. And you represent her. They would never, ever think about embarrassing you in public. That's, that's, there's, that's the sacred circle. You don't do that. You know, um, and, and so there's a part of where when you realize I am part of you, you are part of me, I represent you, you represent you. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. And if I, if I embarrass you, I'm embarrassing myself. And, and this, this paradigm shift from two rugged individuals who are negotiating a deal to be together, more like, more like roommates with benefits, if that, right. you know, and it kills the emotions and it kills the trust, kills the sense of intimacy. And if you do this shift understanding that this other person, you're half, that you're other half, you complete each other. as a, And it goes back to the Bible in Genesis 1 where it says, and the two came together and they were made one flesh. You know, and, and so we've gotten away from that. But in these traditional cultures, they have not. And they're right. looking for their half. And I tell guys, when you're dating, say, hey, I'm here looking for my half. Yeah, and I said, you know, trust me, use that phrase. It's going to resonate. Sorry, the dog is barking here at the uh, the door. I don't Sorry. know if you can hear that. Um, but yeah, so it, it's uh, Wiley. Come here. Shut up. Um, I love it. The uh, he only barks when someone's coming to the door. Mila, get Wiley out of here. <laughs> I'm recording something. Put him in the bathroom. No, put him in the bathroom. Placebo. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. So, so it's it, it's the the other half versus the life partner is really the distinction, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. when you're looking, if if it's your partner, then anything they do, it's like it's your fault. You know, you're. You, you're, you're the partner in this, right? <laughs> Versus the other half. It's like, how can we do this together? Um, well, in the, in the partnership model, there's almost a payback built into it. 
you didn't hold your deal up, so I don't have to hold mine up, or you should do extra for me because you didn't do this right. Right. Yes. Who wants that? Who wants that? It's totally just it's just another business arrangement, you know, like, yeah. like you mentioned. Um, totally mind blowing stuff did. and makes never again. sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I went through a, a streak of only dating girls from Eastern Europe. And then I went back to an American about, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago. And it, <laughs> it reminded me of <laughs> all the reasons why, uh, You're done. why I left Next. in the first place. Yep. Yep. So what's, uh, what's number three? Number three came from an observation I made, and I couldn't, couldn't figure out how to put it in words um, because we have too many platitudes. You know, if I were to tell you it's about being others aware, those words almost drop to the floor dead. And so, I, but I, in the moment, in fact, it was the day I did this, this um, longer recording. This whole thing came to me. It's funny. If you listen to this recording, it, uh, you know, I don't know where you give them link references, but dreamconnections.com. Right the, the podcast, so yeah. So, yeah, but yeah it? they'll get it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go. We'll type it in. So it's at www.dreamconnections.com slash relationships. The fun part about this um, particular talk was uh, Chris Willett runs uh, what we call Tribe Talk on Monday nights. So it's it's kind of like just for the guys themselves to talk. We get married guys in there, and they're all mentoring each other, and they're new guys just coming in. So Tribe Talk is a cool thing. Tuesday, my Tuesday webinar is more teaching. You know, it's broad to the public. It's more interviews, this kind of thing. But anyway, I'm listening to Tribe Talk with Chris, and he's got two of the married guys on there trying to describe what makes the relationship great, why it's cool. And they're floundering for words. And, and and so while I'm being frustrated on this drive, listening to it, and I could, I'm going from Idaho. I barely got coverage. I couldn't call in and get on the show. And, and the whole thing came to me about the picture, all three of these pieces. And the whole thing came to me in one road trip. So the next day was my show on Tuesday. And I did the whole thing like, like a man on a mission. I put it together and it just, you know, all the pieces came together after all the years of doing what we do. <clears throat> this picture is so important. And it came to me from, a Japanese culture. So I want you to understand this picture for a second. I was at dinner with a good friend of mine, Todd Nesbitt. I love this man dearly. He's one of the most giving, um, generous, kind, um, hardworking per- perfectionist. He's an excellent, he was a film executive. And, and for a while I was working in Hollywood. And so he says, Mark, let me take you to lunch. I'm going to take you to this Japanese place for sushi. I'm going, I've been to sushi before. He goes, no, no, no. This one's actual authentic Japanese. So we go in there and the waitresses have the big, kimonos with a poof pillows on the butt i don't know what that's about but it was all this authentic stuff you know they're little wooden shoes and 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 these little uh little little uh, what do they call this garden gardens with the little bonsai trees and all the sand is raked into little shapes and shit like this right i was ready to be sitting on the floor i mean it was that kind of a feeling you know yeah. unfortunately they didn't make us sit on the floor but with these nice wooden tables no backs on the chairs we would sit up and you have these tables well um he ordered some uh Sapporo beer and some um some sake and which is great for me i love sake and so we're sitting there having dinner i'm just fascinated now he lived in japan for three years so i'm just i'm sucking the life out of it can tell me more i'm just so fascinated you got to tell me what it's like and and i, I and I, I love the time being with him as a friend and so he tells me tell you what let me first of all start before we get the dinner going with this japanese tradition at dinner he goes you know they have these big pictures so like Sapporo, there is like the Mr. Bottle. I mean, it's like almost like a, I don't want to say it's two liter, but it's this big bottle. 
and and the sake is a bigger sake thing. And then you get your little glasses in front of you. He says, now in the Japanese dinner with a friend, you never fill your own glass. You fill your companion's glass and you wait and let them fill your glass. Oh, that's cool, man. Oh, here you go. Here. Yeah, here you go. Okay, great. So we're talking. I'm just going in like having a great time. Just asking all these questions. Also, it's probably a half hour passed by and both of his glasses are dead dry. And I'm going like, oh, shit, that's my responsibility. You know, and I'm like, and, I, and he's like, dude, it's okay. It's no problem. And I'm telling you, this guy was so gracious. If I forgot him for the next three hours and didn't give him a drop, he still wouldn't have said anything. You know, <laughs> but that's a whole thing. You know, so, so I, I filled him up. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm feeling like I'm the shit here for not doing it. So the rest of the night, I'm like, you know, I'm checking his glass. You're good, right? I'm just, you're good, right? You're good. Okay. And, and the funny thing was, I realized in doing so, there's so much of a shift in your mind. Now I'm aware of his need. Now I'm thinking about him. I'm realizing I accept responsibility that if there's a need he has, that's my responsibility to fill. I'm not responsible for filling all of his needs, but this is mine. You know, I want to make sure he's good, you know, as a friend, as a buddy, as just part of my relationship with him. And, and if, if like, for instance, later, if I were to notice he's hitting the sake more than he is the Sapporo, maybe the guy's, he's really suffering with something. He needs, he needs a shot. He needs a good, you know, are you okay? Are you, there's something going on in your life. You know, then I become others aware. And, and by the time I got out of that three-hour lunch, I just felt like a changed person because I felt like I actually had more connection with him. I was thinking about somebody else, you know, in addition to enjoying our fellowship, I was aware of him, his needs, and I just felt elevated as a person. The second example of this came from my wife when she first came here from Ukraine. I had an eight-year-old son, and um, we were coming back from the grocery store, and she told him to make sure to put the cart away, you know, in the rack where you put the carts. And and I was going, yeah, well, you know, those are the rules. I'm going to teach the boy the rules. And she goes, no, that's not why. Okay, then why would you put the carts away if it's not because of the rules? She's because that space doesn't belong to us. That's going to belong to somebody else after us. And we don't want to intrude on some, it's not ours to intrude with theirs. You, you know, why would yeah. we clutter up somebody else's space after us? <laughs> Who thinks like that? Who thinks about the person who's going to be in the parking space after you're gone? Right. You know what I'm saying? Some people just throw the carts into someone else's car. <laughs> what the frick? You know, who cares? But I learned this about all the Slavic women. Mm-hmm. They're constantly aware of how everything they do affects the world around them, the people around them, cultural. They don't throw trash on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they're just, there's a different mindset about everything they do, that everything they do, they're cognizantly aware of others in the process. And there's a grace and dignity to it. And I'm telling you, you'll say the same. Like by the time you come back home to the U.S., after having spent a time in a culture that is family-oriented, you know, focused on their core with loyalty, such loyalty that, that are respectful and dignified to everybody else around them. We come home, we go, God, we live in a land of fucking pigs. Yeah, we really you do. Know? <laughs> and, but at the end of the day, when you're in a relationship, you know, if you realize, you know, uh, and my wife would always check with me. She goes, hey, babe, you're bored? You want to do something here? You know, how are you doing in this? How are you doing this? And sometimes I'm upset. Or you even say, hey, we haven't even back in two days. Do you need something? You know, um, or if I'm, if I'm upset, she'll go, Hey, I can't have you upset. Come on. What can I do? I mean, did somebody offend you? Who do I have to kill? You know I mean? It was just taking, taking this part of like, um, you're part of me. I'm part of you. I want to make sure your needs are filled. And when you're both doing that for each other and aware and take responsibility to say, you know, I want you happy. I want you feeling good. You know, do you, have you, um, did you eat today? You know, I'm drinking something. Do you, do you want to drink too? 
And, uh, you know, uh, it, it just becomes a different mindset. And here's the cool part about it. When somebody's doing this for you, they're constantly in tune with you. They're th- asking you, how you doing? Can I do this for you? You know, hey, don't worry, but let me do that for you. Just go do your thing. You know, it, it just, it, it deepens such an appreciation for that person. You just go, wow, I'm loved. I'm cared for. And somebody's got my back. They're attentive to my needs. They're, they're aware of me. And you can relax. And, and <coughs> Well, you know, I heard, um, I heard recently that when you do a favor for someone else, it makes you like them more. So if well, that's true. There's many things like that. Like if two people laughing together creates a an emotional bond between because you see the world the same way. Um, there's several things like the, in those studies they'll say like if you do this for them it creates likability. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in mm-hmm. the book Likability Factor, a great book, um, you know, on those kind of things. But yeah, if you do something for for somebody else, you inherently you have, you have a likability for them. So therefore that's one of the things that happens. Guys who fall out of love. It's like, I don't feel the same for the other person. Well, because you're being an ass, you're just not caring about them. You don't care about somebody. It just, it deteriorates. to I don't care. And the whole, I don't care thing just, you know, kills emotions. And and look at the end of the day, everybody just wants to wake up in love. They want to have the, I don't care who you are. I mean, I deal with this with guys all the time. I get guys in their fifties who, who fall in love again. And they just go, no, I don't know if I've ever felt this way. I feel like a teenager. You feel giddy in love. It's about feeling fully alive. You want to feel fully alive with somebody. And so this is what uh, we hope for. And this formula will, you know, will deliver that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And uh, I love it, by the way. It'd be a great TED Talk. Got to get this out there. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, and I've witnessed it, obviously, you know, being out here. And it's just... I wasn't able to articulate why the relationships were different. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, that, that really clears it up for sure. And um, it's just, it's just so easy compared to all the, you know, little bullshit that I've dealt with, with, with relationships in, in the U S and not to mention the girls are so much better looking anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting and you'll, you'll appreciate this cause I get this, um, this inherent, um, you know, just don't like, you know, what's wrong with women in your country and this kind of thing. And the interesting, the Ukrainian women, they idolize uh, our movie stars. They see our ladies in movies and they see they're all, you know, attractive, well-dressed, they're sexy and all this kind of stuff. And so they think that's sort of the American, the American model and not the, the Walmart patties. <laughs> but, um, you know, honestly, if women in America were attentive to being, just healthy body size, just attentive to their, to their physical fitness, their healthy body size, that they, they cared about their beauty appearance, how they dressed. They cared about how they carried themselves, you know, and, and truly just enjoyed being women. They would be just as beautiful as any others. And I think this is the thing that sets them apart. That's unfortunate for women in America. They're trained here and taught as culture to be competitive with men, to fight in the, in the man's world, to be a man in a man's world, to compete and to be aggressive and to carry masculine traits. And that, um, you know, plump women are on the front cover of sports illustrated swimsuit edition, you know, and and it's all this, like love your body, no matter what, you know, you're beautiful, you know, big is beautiful. It's like, well, you can think that, but I'm looking at it and it doesn't look beautiful. What do you want? It's just so much bullshit. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and they're not happy with it either, honestly. No. They're not. It's a lie. They know it. Yeah. It There's no because anybody that. anybody knows that if I just did this, this, and this, I'd be healthy. Right. But I don't want to. That's like hard work. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then be fat and just admit it. I am fat and unattractive. <laughs> All right. Right. I mean, you know, one or the other. So, um, and that's just true with everybody. It's like either be disciplined to become the person you're supposed to be, or just say, I'm an undisciplined slob. I'm fat. And I accept it. That's just right. who I am. Cause I, I choose that negotiation in life. You know, I'll pay the price for being obese and unhealthy, or I'll pay the price to be healthy. Either way, you're going to pay a price. You pay one now and you feel good about yourself. You live longer. You pay the other one later in pain and misery and early death. Yeah. You know, and I, and I say that from a place, you know, I, I, um, another part of, of my story was only three years ago, three and a half years ago, I was 250 pounds and I'm only five, eight and a half, five, nine on a good day. So, I mean, I was very big Yeah, and, um, and I, and I just saw myself in a picture because in my business, we were featured on the front cover of the major Ukrainian news outlet and on the center of their website. And there were four pictures in there. A couple of them were cute. They didn't look bad. One of them was me walking with the guys into an event and this parallel, this profile of me sideways. I had this massive fat jugular like this. And my shirts were always, I always, un, I always had my shirts untucked because it was like wearing a, a muumuu, right? <laughs> and, and, and the belly stretching the fabric in the middle. And I'd never seen myself like that. You know, and I had this wake up call and I said, never again. And so I, you know, I've, I've never gone back now. I'm, you know, trying to take my body even to another level and, and get into bodybuilding. But man, I lived 25 years as an obese man. So, I mean, I'm not unsympathetic that it happens in America. And every time I come here, I have to fight not to put on weight because there's hardly anything healthy here. Yeah. You but, can't find healthy food. That's the other thing. It's like, no matter where, even if you go to the grocery, you know, that's a whole other topic, but it's just, it's, it sucks. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, but congrats on losing the weight. I lost uh, sixty pounds back in two thousand eleven, and wow, um, good for you. Yeah, I was. I'm I'm about your height, five nine, five ten, um, mm-hmm. and I was two fifteen at my heaviest, and um, dropped down to one fifty five, which was a little too light. But <laughs> it's always a struggle for me. You know, I've got to, I've got to really, you know, stay on top of it because you know, go to a, go on vacation for a week in Italy last, last week. I'm, you know, jump on the scale up. Oh, there's a kilo and a half. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. What, what did you but do? You the way? To, but then you go back to Ukraine, everything's organic. Everything right. is vegetables with every meal. And now, you, you know, I lost two kilo, I lost two kilograms in one month that I was there yeah. last month. And you're walking more. It's just a, of course. Just a much of course. You know, easier culture to stay. Healthier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what did you do to, to lose the weight back when you, well, when I had my panic and my meltdown, um, I immediately did two things. One, my diet was, I would, I basically had one full meal a day. I would, in the morning I'd have a protein drink and oatmeal and cuts. And then I always had sliced, um, cucumber, tomato, and bell pepper on a plate. And I'd always, I was, I was chewing that down after the workout. Then I'd go to every gym. I'd go to the gym every day. Uh, two days of the week, I'd do a two mile run. The rest of the time was weight training. And then during the day between then and my meal at night, I would have just an apple, handful of nuts, more protein drinks, lots of water. So I was not being hungry. Then at night, I would just have this meal that was purely either um, fish or as chicken breast and vegetables. But these restaurants are great. I mean, I no complaints about that dinner. And and so that was my caloric intake and my diet. And then the the 
weight training, I kept, you know, trying to figure out what would work for me to build muscle and things. And, and so at first I just lost the weight and I, my shape wasn't looking good, but then I, I kept trying to learn about me and what works for me. So, um, the other thing was accountability. Uh, the first I initially lost like <clears throat> 25 pounds of mostly fat. I wasn't in shape. <clears throat> then I did a boot camp program for my guys. And so every day for 12 weeks, I had to do a report in video. But it, and, and so I, since I'm the host, I had to show up and do it. But it was that accountability right. that I had to show up. And I, I find the real secret is, is just consistency. You know, yeah. I, I, think, I think cheat days are bullshit for guys who are already bodybuilders. You've already achieved the goal. You know, I think that we fall off the wagon too quickly if we allow ourselves those things. And, and, but, but on the other hand, um, I did allow myself every day. This, is, this sounds silly, but it, obviously it worked for me. Every day I'd have an ice cream cone from McDonald's because I learned they're only 120 calories. I go, I don't care what's in it, 120 calories, <laughs> you know. And so for me, I felt like I got my little sweets every day and I loved it. So I, I didn't feel like I needed a cheat day and I, and I never went off the wagon. I stayed with that program. But I think the real lesson I learned um, that the major, major shift in my body to something healthy um, was just do something every day. You know, yeah. you go to the gym and you hear these guys, no, it's all about, you got to go heavy sets, man. You got to do low reps. No, no, you got to do 20, 30 reps. No, you got to do CrossFit. No, you got to do this. You know what? And you line them all up. They all have healthy bodies. The secret is they just showed up every day and did something. Exactly. I don't, it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> it does, almost doesn't even matter which program they did. Yeah. But every day they showed up and they did something that, that tested, stressed their body and rested the next day came up and did it again so to me it's just pick one i don't care if you want to bicycle every day you want to run every day you want to do high intensity low intensity you want to do spin classes but just you got to show up six days a week five or six days a week you can take a day off on sunday and just whatever but your body doesn't need to recover as much as you think they think you need three days well look you're not working the same muscle three days in a row you know you just you you give yourself way too much break, and people give themselves way too much rest between sets. The trainer I'm using now, it's almost none. I mean, I'm doing she'll do a a, a triple superset, and then I mean, I swear to God, it's not even 45 seconds. Kate, run it again. Yeah, and, you're, and you're, there's no break between three. Kate, run it again. And we do that four times, and then I get like a minute and a half, two minutes. She goes, okay, here's the next superset. Three different exercises, back to back to back to back, without stopping. And then I'm telling you, 45 minutes later, I am done. And I watch guys get the same kind of workout for two hours in the gym. It doesn't take two hours. Right. Just Yeah, you keep your heart rate up, and I think you burn more that way. And, and you feel great after the workout, like you actually fucking did something. Because uh, yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've worked out with people before where they, they're lifting heavy, but they're resting and on their phone checking Instagram for five minutes between each set. I'm like, what? This, this isn't a workout, bro. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And I have, I have other shit to do. Come on. Like, I don't have time yeah. for you. But, um. I want to back up um, and ask you, I didn't realize before that you, before you started your business uh, with the Dream Connections, you kind of attended another shittier version of that. Um, mm -hmm. And how did you, does that, that probably gave you the idea and you probably saw how you could do that better. And how did you, yeah, how did you, I started that? from, I actually, by the time I got to thinking about doing this business, I'd already been married four years and I was actually approached by somebody else to do a documentary and, and kind of do a tour. And we were kind of redeciding what that would look like because we didn't want it to look like the other format. So we just kind of did clean slate. Let's pretend there is no industry. Let's pretend there's no online dating. Let's pretend there's nobody else doing this. How can a guy 
who's been out of his country before, show up in a foreign country, feel comfortable, um, have somebody there by his side, um, have a pleasant experience, and come away with a relationship. So we kind of just cleared the chart. Now, obviously, in my brain was the only example I knew was this other one. So there's some pieces of it that were similar, um, you know, but there's so many things that are different. It's, it's, it's very different. But they would do a social where they just – they would get the little agencies they work with to bring and pack it in. So there'd be like 200 girls in a room all sitting at tables. And then the guys would come in and you're on your own. Okay. You have to go on your own, figure out to go sit at a table and try to introduce yourself and have a conversation. There's no structure and you're scared to death. It's horrible. You know, so it's not even like speed dating where the, you know, they bing, go to the next level. No, it's just like, here they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And And then after two hours of this, Thing where you try, then they then they do make it a nightclub. They turn dance music up, and all the girls come out and dance. And now it looks it's this hot, sexy thing with the girls dancing. But it's like you're not going to find a wife that way. I mean, yeah. it may be a great thing for a single guy to go over and you know flirt his ass off and find some phone numbers and try to bang some chicks overseas. You know, but I, I just to me that was I was ready to wake up every day with something like this. So I just felt like I need to reinvent the model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tell tell us more about the uh, the model if you don't mind, because I mean you told me sure. before, but it's fascinating. It's super cool how how you do it with the translators and everything. Yeah, we call them romance coaches because they're just way more than translators. Honestly, the fact that they do translating is like ten percent of the work they do. It's phenomenal. And um, so in our program, it's called the Quest Romance Tour. It's nine days, and it is about five grand, but includes your hotels. You know, we give you a cell phone in your land. We have four catered events. Your your personal assistant, all included. Plus the before and after, you know, once you get into our program, you realize how much we do to make sure guys are successful. And so in the beginning part, you have a couple of Skype interviews with whether you're going to Colombia, it's with Tatiana. If you're going to Thailand or Ukraine, it's with Irina, you know, or sometimes my wife, Anna. And um, we basically want to, first of all, orient you to the program and then find out what you're looking for. So we're going to have you go through our website, come up with a list of 15 or 20 ladies out of our website that say, yeah, this is kind of like the woman I want to meet. We said, why? What does that mean to you? You know, because we know all these ladies. I mean, these aren't, I mean, these are our girls and we don't advertise for them. We get people coming in all the time and I've interviewed almost a hundred of them. If you go to the testimonial section of our website, there's a whole section of the ladies I've interviewed. And most of them will say they're here because their friend got married or something else. So by now we've grown to, it's all referral mm-hmm. and, you know, people know good people. So I think that's the important part. So anyway, the guy, we go through this process of answering his questions and Chris will help, you know, make sure his flights are scheduled correctly. And so guys arrive and like, let's say for you do our flagship program is Nikolai of Ukraine. So you fly into Odessa and we meet you at the airport. You're never alone. And I recommend guys come a day early so they get time adjusted. And, and then we go to, we, the next morning we'll get up, we'll do sort of this fun walking tour of Odessa, the history, the beautiful sites. And then two o'clock, we get on the big charter bus and do our little two hour drive to Nikolai, get you checked in your hotel. And then you get to meet your romance coach. Well, your romance coach is, is a wonderful, uh, very brilliant, um, relationally savvy Ukrainian girl. And, um, you've, we already give guys a chance to have a Skype call with her before they come. So they've already had a chance to get to know each other a little bit. So now you get to meet each other and really, uh, talk in person and, figure out how to explain your story to the girls and what you're going to do. Um, also, before you come, you're required to go through um, my training videos. I've got six training videos that go from how to make a good impression, what are the girls thinking, how to answer their questions, how to work with a romance coach, uh, what's the proper expectation for a week, and what, what do you really expect you can do in nine days, uh, how to 
how to make the girl feel connected with you before you leave town. So she, you know, doesn't think you're just on a pleasure vacation, you know, create a relationship, start it, be boy, at least boyfriend, girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Not proposing marriage after nine days. Never, never expect that. Uh, and then when you leave, how do you keep the fires burning and really keep the momentum going till you can come back and see her again? So all that training video is there. So when a guy shows up, he feels pretty good. He kind of gets how the system works. So after the dinner where you meet your coach the next morning, I do my brief, my coaching brief about what to expect today. Even though they've seen the videos, they know how it goes. And then we go into this um, really cool dinner uh, restaurant, huge restaurant. And the ladies who have been invited, Typically, it's like 80 to 100, sometimes 120, depends on how many guys are coming. And the ladies are invited personally based on the guys coming. So, like, we learn from each guy what – and so we go, okay, I think this is because we, we personally invite the ladies to come based on the guys who are coming and the number. So, typically, we get anywhere from 15 to 25 guys. just depends on the time of the year, the tour. And um, so, you and your romance coach come in the room. The ladies are already sat at tables, about eight, eight or nine tables. And so you just spend 15 minutes chatting. 15 minutes is a good enough time. You're not trying to date them. You're not trying to decide if this is your wife or not. You're just trying to see, is there some cute spark of energy? And there's a couple of videos on our site, which are examples of what happens sitting at the table, having this kind of conversation with the girls. It's fun. It's very playful. It's light. We it's not tra- it's one-on-one or it's a group? No. Okay. It's, it's like four, four girls plus you and your romance coach. So it's like, gotcha. Yeah, it's like six at a table. And it's better because one-on-one's horribly, it's too intense for strangers. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's horrible. It's it's awkward. It's like, uh, you know, and it's like, but if you're in a group, somebody's always got a question. Somebody's always keeping the energy going. Somebody's interested. You're interested in them. And, and you know, so, and, uh, you know, so there's, there's always good dynamics in a group setting that takes the pressure off. You know, it's not that kind of speed dating thing. It's very, it relaxed. And I say, look, at the end of it, your only goal is when you get up, is just to think, was there somebody there that just felt like it'd be fun to spend another hour with? That's it. You just want because you're going to ask people for one-on-one dates afterwards, you know. And then at the end of 15 minutes, the guys get up and the romance coach stays and she privately asks the girls, would any of you like to go out with him? And then the girls have to give a phone number. So the girls have to say, I like them too. So there's, there's always mutual interest that starts. And then when two people like each other, now your romance coach makes the calls and or before you leave, she's already booking up a lot of them saying, Hey, you know, when are you available? You know, you said you're interested in John. He's interested, you know, and felt good about you too. When can we get together? And so typically guys will set up one or two dates that night and then they'll start booking them the rest of the week. We come back the next day and a whole new group of ladies, you do it again. And so that way we're kind of front loading the week with meeting all of, all of the different available women that we know um, that are there for same reasons, looking at the same things you are. And so we don't have any instances of scams, you know, cause you, plus you have a romance coach. She's your BS detector, your bodyguard. Nobody would, you couldn't ask anything uh, and get through the, your, your bodyguard. Right. So it's just a very comfortable environment to just honestly try to follow your heart. So you find connection with and follow the chemistry, follow those who are following you, you know, and um, the course of the rest of the week, we interspersed it with some things that are not related to dating. Uh, we do a trip to the orphanage. We support the orphans there. If guys aren't on a date, if they want to come, uh, we do a karaoke night, just no dates allowed. Let's just get away from the dating. There's some fun, you know, um, that at the end of the week, uh, the very last day we do a finale dinner, you know, it's kind of prom night. Everybody dresses up. It's a beautiful environment looking over the river kind of a thing and, and, uh, celebrating, see who started relationships. So, that's that's what we do, and it's been incredibly successful. Eighty percent of our guys will start new relationships sincerely. Um, 
And like I said, we've had a total of over 300 married and less than 2% divorce. And we help a lot. I mean, honestly, even after the guy leaves, we end up, you know, there always have some conflict, some misunderstanding. And, and, you know, you know, we're trying to coach the guy off the walls, you know, and that's not what she meant or the girl, you know, so we could take her to coffee, honey. It's okay. He's an American. Right. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> right. Right. How often? Probably, do you, I swear to God, know. half the marriages we have wouldn't be there if we hadn't pulled one of the two of them off the wall and, you know, sit. and then they, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Cause the cultural differences, um, how often do the guys end up falling in love with their romance coach? Not at all. And, and really? because we hire romance coaches that are married. Uh, okay. That's smart. You know, and, and yeah, we had to, you know, cause we've had, um, and we did have in the early days, we've had three of our romance coaches marry, but it wasn't their own client, which is interesting. It's not like the two of them fell in love. Uh, uh-huh. It's just one of the other guys who happened to be on the tour and they felt a connection. And so, and it was really interesting because one of the guys had to wait until she finished working with her client. So they didn't even start dating till 11 or one in the morning, you know, after she was done helping the other client. You know? <laughs> so, um, but, but that's part of the process we've learned that it helps the guy get used to being around beautiful women. Your romance coach, we tell the romance coaches dress down a little bit. You always want the dates to be looking hotter than you. So, I mean, sure. It's still <laughs> a good question. Yeah. That's smart to hire the uh, the married ones because, yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you're going to connect with your coach. She's probably going to speak much better English than the other girls. So I can see that being a big problem. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, when people do their Skype call with my wife, it's obvious she's married. When they Skype with Irina, she's very private about her life. And she's a beautiful woman, too. And I swear to God, she says half of every guy who I Skype with asks me if I'm, if I'm available. <laughs> so it's like, there's, because there's a progression. Mm-hmm. compared to your dating back home, when you get to spend a uh, half hour, 40 minutes on the phone with a very feminine, attentive, you know, Ukrainian woman who's, who's really truly wants to help you and is into you, you feel like, my God, I, I've never seen this before. And then, you know, so first they fall in love with, you know, uh, the, the interviewer and they fall in love with their romance coach. And, and then, and then, you know, and then by the time they get to meet a hundred of them, they realize I get it. I get it. There, there are plenty of them here. There's in, yeah. you know, so it's like you get out of the scarcity mode, right? Like, Oh my God, there's, you know, I've never seen one like this. I'm sure this is the only one. And you go, Oh, I get it. It's, it's, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. That's super cool. So um, if guys want to find out and book that, they just go to dreamconnections.com. Yeah. You know what I'd really encourage them to do. And um, we have grown as a company purely on our YouTube videos. We have like, 800 videos on YouTube right now. We do something almost every day. So what I'd really suggest the guys do is if they go to, you get on our email list, you get notified, you know, and subscribe to our YouTube channel or both, but go to dreamconnections.com and at dreamconnections.com, there's a case study. The, the homepage right now is a case study and we rotate it, but you'll see different places where you can, you know, s- subscribe and get on our email list. Um, also next to the logo on the top, left corner there's something that says romance tours and like click on the nick live one and watch the video you can see what happens every day you can see what's included in the program and a big blue bar to fill out a profile form and it's easy what i really recommend you guys do you know because we're kind of more at advanced stage in this conversation is just go ahead and fill out a profile form because it's no cost and you get to have that interview with you know with tatiana and columbia or arena or my wife and you really you get a sense of somebody from that culture and, and, and it's valuable to you. Very valuable. Um, 
And so that's all for free. And that way you make sure that it's something you want to do before you do it. Or, you know, we don't want your money if it's not going to be a fit for you or you for us. Sure. So uh, that's what I'd suggest. Perfect. Um, and if you want to get a hold of me personally, mark at dreamconnections.com. I answer all my own emails. Not a problem. Yeah. Thanks for giving that out to, to people. And um, yeah, man, I'd love to have you on again as a guest. There's so much more stuff we can talk about dating. Oh my God masculinity um but uh oh, yeah. thanks so much for being on and uh yeah. yeah let's do it again soon we will brother thanks for having me on here thanks for listening if you want more go to innerconfidence.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes